Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. We ask the Father, in Jesus' name, to send the Holy Spirit upon us today to let us speak the words that we need to speak to touch the people's hearts. Let us take every bit of ourselves out of the conversation and everything we do today and always seek the Father's will. We ask this in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the prayers and intercession of our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, and especially today, St. Joan of Arc. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today, we have a wonderful guest on the show, uh, Mr. Paul McLean from the Homa uh, Thibodeau Diocese. He's the lay minister for Homa. Evangelization. Evangelization for Homa. I also have Dr. David Roy, a retired orthodontist from Lafayette. He's been on the show before, and he's a, a great Cajun Catholic. And thank you all both for being here this morning. Thank you, Todd. Okay, uh, with that, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Paul, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, um, as you said, I'm from, I was born in Thibodeau, grew up in Homa. Uh, my mother was from Thibodeau, so not too many Cajuns running around with McLean name, so that's how that kind of happened. My dad was from Illinois and came down here after the war, World War II, and um, never left. And so I um, grew up there in Homa, uh, went to Nichols State University, finished in agriculture. Harvard on the bayou. Good place. <laughs> it's a really a great school, and, that, and back in those in the 60s, it was just a... Uh, you know, a different place, uh, much smaller school, of course. But uh, I was there when it turned into a university, and I finished in ag there. And uh, right out of um, school, I went to work with a large sugar company and um, got into farming pretty big time. And um, loved agriculture, still do. Still do uh, some um some consulting and some management work around agriculture. Never really wanted to leave it. It's just such a, it's just such a basic industry that uh, has, it's just uh, ground floor so good. And, um, and by the way, um, it is a great resource um, when reading scripture because so much of the scriptures are tied around agricultural and uh, and wow, it opens up scripture in so many. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of them I can think of right now that just, you know, that when you understand and have farmed, I, the largest amount of land I ever managed at one time was roughly around 86,000 acres. Wow. And so uh, not all ag, but some other lands as well. Uh, uh, if I remember right, maybe 50,000 was actually ag land. So, I mean, you get, it, you get a lot of exposure when you're doing that. And, uh, and so when you read something in Scripture that uh, Jesus is, let's say, um, giving a parable on a particular agricultural topic, you, got, you know, it rings a bell. You know what he's talking about. And uh, that's nice. Um, in the uh, late 70s, this particular sugar operation that I was working for began to close its doors, but I kind of stayed there, uh, Prudential Insurance Company of America came in their real estate investment section took it over and um, I stayed along with them and really took the lands that we had I had farmed or I had managed and leased them out to tenants so much of that acreage uh, 
stayed in sugarcane. And um, a lot of it, especially in the Homa area, went into a real estate development because there was a lot of pressure for Homa to grow. And we surrounded Homa with land. And so I uh, became a real estate broker for a number of years and got involved in a lot of that. Then drifted on over into oil and gas and uh, began an oil and gas company with some friends of mine, uh, attorneys. And um, then in 1992, <clears throat> in 1992, had a major conversion in my life that really turned me upside down, spiritual type thing. And uh, I had become a total workaholic. I had become uh, a person that was driven only by another project, you know, another deal, another project. And uh, uh, God came into my life and changed that. Were you a cradle Catholic? I was a cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mother was uh, from Thibodeau. I mean, I can remember my grandmother and my aunts um, sitting at noon, paying the Angelus, going right to the rosary. I'm sure a lot of that prayer had some effect on my uh, conversion, although it was a rough conversion at the time it happened. Um, it, I'm sure that that's, sometimes we just don't get exactly what. I mean, it comes to us in a way that we may be praying for something, but it comes to us in a way that we don't really expect we're going to get it that way, you know. And, uh, and I'm sure their prayers have something to do with turning my life around. In fact, I had actually had a tremendous experience back in the 70s when I was farming that involved the Blessed Mother. And it, it, it really touched me for about two months. I mean, I was walking on, I was not even walking on the ground. It was just <laughs> an amazing thing. But the world takes that out of way. You've got to have a good network to uh you got to have a good network of people to stay in touch with if you get out there and become isolated as i let myself do the world doesn't take very long to suck it out of you and then you begin to doubt yourself you begin to do things that um you you know based on your experience you shouldn't be doing and then you have this guilt thing come in and you feel shameful and then it you know you can go all kinds of places from there and, uh, and I did, you know, I just pretty much left the church because I began to um, think that, you know, this thing that the church calls confession just didn't work for me, see. And what I, um, and so I, you know, you, I quit confession. The next thing is I quit uh, going to communion, didn't go to communion. I said, well, I'm not going to confession, I'm not going to communion, and, you know, I'll just uh, maybe miss this mass, and then I'll miss that mass, and sooner or later... Uh, you've cooperated with the devil and separating yourself from the church, from the power of the church and the sacramental power of the church. And you, basically what, you, what I did is I had, I had pretty much set up my own church and made myself the pope. <laughs> because I, <laughs> I can you all know, relate to that. You know, I, I started making my own decisions and can justify them. And that's kind of where I was. Where doing, I had successful businesses going on. Um, I never, and one thing about me is I, is I never left. In other words, there was something in me that, you know, once I got something going, I always kept my hands on it and never let it go and just started something new. So, therefore, I worked all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Well, don't leave us hanging on the Blessed Mother story. Well, I want to hear that. That was something. Uh, I had gone to a Crescia, and uh, I really didn't care to go to the Crescia. I didn't know what a Crescia was at the time. See, this would have been probably 72. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, it, was pro- it, was the, it was the first harvest that I actually was the manager of in the farming operation. And it was the harvest of the sugarcane harvest of 72 and 73 was awful. 
It snowed two or three times. We had killing temperatures on the cane, and we didn't have the equipment like they have today. It was miserable. We left a lot of cane in the field. And uh, I had a lot of tractors. I used to run probably, you know, 60 or 70 major pieces of equipment I'd run out there. And, uh, and I was always at uh, a place in Homer called M&L Tractor Company. And uh, I knew all those guys pretty well because we always had three or four tractors in there. And they were just bugging me to go to a Corsia. And just, just um, to quit the bugging, I said, all right, I'm going to go. And so um, it was like Corsia number 16. Oh, Doc, that's a good number. That's, that's my Holy long, Spirit number. Long okay. <laughs> a long time ago. A long time ago. And where was it? it? It was somewhere on on north side of Lake Pontchartrain. I'm, I've okay. been told that the place isn't even there anymore. Okay. 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 And so we went up there, and um, and you know, you, you got you're talking to a guy that's still thinking about the work, you know, and hey, what am I doing up here, and um, struggling with that whole thing, and so um, I had a difficult time becoming engaged with the whole con- the whole uh, atmosphere. Of the Crucia. And, man, everybody else was engaged, and here I was, you know, not engaged. And I was struggling with that big time. And it was, I'd worked through, I think it started, I think we, like, went on a Thursday, and we spent that Friday. And then I, Saturday, I was really the only one. I could tell everybody else was just, like, so wrapped up in this thing. And <laughs> it just, I, I didn't grow up, in, you know, engaging like that. And, uh, and I was struggling struggling with the whole thing and um it was a saturday night and we i was going to uh i was going to trying to go to sleep struggling with this thing and um i remember i remember the guy we had we we were bunked two to a room and i remember he was on the side of me i could hear him sleeping and i said man i can't sleep and then all of a sudden I had my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I saw what was uh, the nighttime sky, and uh, it was loaded, loaded with stars, and um, I noted how beautiful that was, and all of a sudden, the stars started to swirl in a vortex, and they began to come around in a circle and get tighter and tighter and tighter, and a face came out of that. It was our Blessed Mother's face. And I remember saying, my gosh, that's our Blessed Mother, you know. And then uh, it was beautiful. And the, the closest image that I can tell you today of an image of her that, re- that looked like the image I saw, which I didn't even know that image existed at the time, of course, was Our Lady Perpetual Help. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, it was just so, all the colors were so vibrant and everything. And I went, wow, that's the Blessed Mother. And when I said that to myself, um, I heard as clear as she could talk, like she was standing there with me. Paul, you only have to be yourself. Wow. Okay? And so what she was telling me was I didn't have to be like anybody else. I could just go and just be myself. Boy, you talk about a weight come off. Because that's all she wants us to be is ourselves. And so once that happened, I remember... It was like hot water pouring into the top of my head and just filling me. Well, the next morning, I'd have to be like they were being. I could just be me in that group. And it was like a whole different thing. 
So when I came out of that, the two, I told the two priests that had joined us for the week, I said, man, I had experience. I mean, I got to think about this, you know. And I, I went back home uh, and, and just uh, flying. And um, I attempted to go to Altrea. You know, that's, those are the groups that you go to. If anybody doesn't know, those are the groups that you go to on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. And so you can stay in touch with uh with other men that have had that same kind of experience, or not that kind, it's their own personal experience. But I didn't keep that up for whatever reason. Uh, I have myself to blame in part for that. But uh, so I drifted. And that's how I got into this, you know, the work. I began to feel the guilt and the shame. And even after an experience like that, uh, it just didn't keep me there. And then in 92, you know, about 20 years later, 21 years later, I, I really believe our Blessed Mother this time uh, took a little different tact because um, I was uh, getting ready to end many of those business relationships I'd had in oil and gas, and I mean, there, was, there, was, there was complications involved, and I could not participate in certain things. And so I was getting ready to end them. In fact, they were ending. And... Uh, I was sitting and I was angry at myself because I had allowed myself to become in business and had partners. And I, I just said, you know, I remember the last words, the last words I remember saying to myself in my previous life was, well, this time, Paul, I'm going to do it for me. No partners. It's going to be me. Well, at that moment. Because I was getting ready to start all over. All my geologists, engineers, they weren't going to come with me And uh, as I left. And, um, and when I said that, all of a sudden, I found myself in this fog. It was so thick. It was uh, impenetrable. And um, I was alone, totally, totally lost and alone in that fog. It was no hope. I could hear my wife and my two kids in the background. They were, I could tell, not in it. They were laughing and enjoying themselves. And, um, and uh, I realized I could never be with them, ever. I realized I could never be with God, ever. I realized I could actually never be with myself, ever that I had been lost I was lost and my decisions in life had brought me lost to this lost state in this fog and so I was absolutely alone not even God not me and I later on I realized what that not me was I had turned myself into something that God didn't you know I, I had I was wired a certain way but I had I had misused those gifts and so it was awful, awful. And so when all that, and I had made it, and that was, you know, uh, that, that was my choice. And when all that crystallized in my being, uh, I found myself back on the sofa in the den at the house. I was nauseated. I was sweating, like, profusely. I was, my heart was about ready to come through my chest. And I just said spontaneously to myself, man, what was that? And then I heard a voice so clear say, unless you change your ways and follow me, that is how you will spend eternity. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to tell you what, I was never a brilliant student, but I got that. Got that message. Got it. And so from that day, March the 1st, around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.30, good hour, mercy hour, I believe Our Lady sent her son this time. And not so much to make me feel good, but he withdrew himself. I think, I think that's what I experienced um, is um, he withdrew himself. And all I can tell you, we think things are bad. There is nothing in the physical realm that can come close to what is there when God or what is not there when God withdraws himself from your presence. And uh, the best explanation I've ever seen, and it's to the T, is uh, St. Faustina's diary. Go to paragraph 741. She explains she actually got to see the levels of hell. And um, I absolutely, without a doubt, can relate totally to the first three. That's what I went through. But it gets progressively worse. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Mr. Paul McLean, from lay, lay minister from the Home of Diocese. Uh, Paul, just loving the story. Just go ahead and continue. I'll get, listen to you all day long. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, it was tough, you know, but uh, this, this 741, if you really want to see an explanation, oftentimes since that, because, you know, it's been a long time ago now to see. That's 27 years ago. And, um, you know, over the years, I've sought out the Lord in adoration. What was that? And it was that hell? And I kept getting, uh, not totally, and that, that 741 explains it. And, and, and it also explains well, why not totally. And, it's, and if I'd have gone any deeper into it, my body could not have taken the awfulness of it. It had killed me. And that explained the symptoms when I came out because I really felt like my heart was going to fly through my chest. It was so bad. And so so that's the touch of when he uh, removes himself from you. And then the only thing is you, if, if you go to that paragraph 741 and read it, you'll see that you really aren't alone because you're in hell with the other creatures that hated him as much as you did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wow, that changed my life. And so it made me, I didn't know where I was headed. I didn't know what I was going to do. But as of March the 1st, 1992, that was a Sunday. Uh, I knew one thing, it could never, ever be the same again. And that set me on a whole different road, you know. And, um, you know, I had all those years of experience in a certain field land all all revolved around i had to reformat my whole my whole businesses everything because i just couldn't get into that mode i was before if i got into it it had to be for him first because i want to tell you guys i didn't want that for one millisecond much less eternity yeah i like to exercise and when i'm running i always think the devil's behind me and and jesus is in front of me and i got two good reasons to to run you know, and I hear that loud and clear from you. You knew you you were going in the opposite direction. Oh yeah, point. yeah. You know, my life right then changed. It's not as dramatic as my namesake Saint Paul. He fell off a horse. I fell off the sofa. You know, it's not exactly so romantic, but it happened and it changed me forever. Yes, that's a beautiful story, Paul. I think you know we. Um, 
keep thinking about uh, God's words. Uh, God loves us where we are, uh, no matter where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there, you know. And sometimes for our benefit, he has to w- withdraw himself and uh, kind of leave us in the, uh, in the desert. And uh, knowing full well that uh, he's there for us, but mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to reach out and, and, uh, and, and find him again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do talk to a lot of guys that, uh, you know, are in business, and, and that's our tendency is that we want to do it, fix it, you know, make it big. Do it. And we can so easy get into, the, uh, into that trap. And, uh, but we have to put things in perspective. It's not really, I mean, all that effort and work is not going to mean anything as we cross out of time into eternity. We're going to bring that as baggage with us, so we better make sure we, we've done it. I, I really did it wrongly for a number of years, and I may, I'm, I'm trying the best I can to make reparation for that now because, you know, if you, you're going you're gonna to damage stuff, and you're going to damage people, and that's what I had done, you know, and in in, I damaged people and damaged things, and so now I look at it like I've got to repair to the best. I can't do a lot of the, you know, I can't fix it totally myself, but I'm going I'm to try to repair it. And so um, it changes you. It changes your whole outlook on things, and it did mine. Boy, does it. Uh, you know, we're going to do a two-part series with Paul today because um, uh, he drove here from Homa, and, you know, he has a website called the Spiritual Bulletin Board of Louisiana. We're going to get into that in, in, in part two, which will probably be aired a week after this airs. But we thought we'd spend the first the first segment in today's uh, radio show uh, just focusing in on his testimony and it's so gripping and uh doc and i are both cursiestas and that's where i had my spiritual conversion and set me on a on a on a on a different path i say i knew the first night i was in cursia that my life would never be the same yeah i knew that and, yeah. and it hasn't been and uh, it set me on fire i'm looking at paul brought his bible today it looks like it's from 1960 and it's been worn <laughs> so this you can always tell a good spiritual man by his bible Got my notes, you know. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you lead. You know, we want to hear some more. Well, I, uh, well, I was very blessed in a way because uh, I, I, I had no, no. I mean, I had been away from the church for quite a while. I mean, I still had those years back remembrances, but you know, uh, that wasn't going to be adequate for where I was, what I knew I had to do. And I was so blessed because, and you'll recognize this name. A lot of the listeners will recognize this name. I used to, I knew I, well. Let me just say this: the first thing I did is I could hardly make it through that Sunday night. I'm telling you, I couldn't sleep because I knew I had to get the confession. You understand? And uh, I, I just I said, I mean, I don't want to die tonight, <laughs> you know. And so uh, at we at that time in Homa, I used to uh, they had the cathedral down. Uh, uh, it was a cathedral was downtown and. Uh, they used to have a 6.30 mass every morning, and they would open it up. And so on, on Monday morning, I was banging on that door. Mm-hmm. And the uh, rector at the cathedral at that time was a gentleman by the name of Monsignor Joseph Latino, who I'd known for years, who be- eventually became the bishop of Jackson, Mississippi. But I-, I often wonder when he opened that door at 6 o'clock on Monday morning and ran into me getting ready to confess 21 years, or trying to remember 21 years of confessions, you know, uh, that I should have made, uh, I bet he wondered to himself, what did I do to deserve to get this on a Monday morning? You know? I mean, I, it, it, and as, as, as we all know now who go to confession regularly, and I ask everyone to please, if you haven't been to confession in a while, you know, get in there. 
because it's a grace, a gift that we have for this journey while we're in time. And it's just nothing, there's just nothing else that compares to it, and it prepares us to receive the Eucharist in the manner that we should. But, um, so if you go to confession and you begin to confess, and over time, you know, more and more things float up to the top, and you go back into the confession. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a practicing thing where, um, you know, and pretty soon you work your way down to the roots of the, of the sin. I think a lot of us start confessing these, this, the actual fruit of, the, of some deep-seated problems, and, and, we're, and they're wrong. Uh, there are actions that are wrong, but eventually the sacrament gets you down to the roots and uh, the root of what made those actions take place. That's the beautifulness of the sacrament if you continue to go. And so I went there, and then I had to find, I, I, I had to find somebody, and sure enough, within 60 days, I, I go to Mass every day, went to Mass every day, because I just needed it. And um, I just needed it, still do. And so, there was a, uh, at Lumen Christi Retreat Center in Homa, I found a noon mass. And they had a Franciscan there that day. I said, wow, great, noon mass, you know, this works good. I went back the next day, and it was another priest there, a new priest, not the one from the day before. I said, wow, they got two priests out here. No, it was the last day for the first priest and the first day for the new priest. Mm -hmm. And the new priest was a man by the name of Father Dwayne Stencil, a Franciscan of about at that time probably 40 years, Franciscan. Or, uh, yeah, 40, because he always was a Franciscan. And so um, we hooked up immediately. And Father Dwayne, some of y'all listeners may be familiar with Father Dwayne. He was a spiritual director and ran Radio Maria out of Alexandria. For about nine years before he died. Anyway, he became my spiritual director, my spiritual friend. He gave me guidance. Uh, we, we we did retreats together. I mean, as we grew, I mean, it was just an, a what what a blessing the Lord to put that man with all those years. He had he had been in Crescia. He had been in um, charismatic. He had been in he had been he actually had traveled all around the country with. The Franciscans allowed him to travel all around the country with non-Catholics for like seven years doing revivals and wow. bringing the Catholic perspective into these churches. You know, so he had a wealth of experience that he shared. He didn't hold nothing back. And uh, we did a lot of spiritual warfare stuff together. He was big into healing. We did stuff with Father Bob DeGrandis. Maybe some of your listeners will remember him. Uh, it was, what a, what an experience. And... Um, he died in 2011 in Alexandria, was a priest until he took his last breath. He was ministering in Alexandria to the nurses, okay? And I stayed with him and kept up with him, and, and, but that's what the Lord, that's who the Lord put in my, um, and we had a, we, look, we had, at the time when he was at Lumen Christi, we had 70, 80 men that were going in and out of that place. He was there 24-7, available to anybody. See, that was that kind of guy. God puts uh, certain people in our lives, um, sometimes several people, but it sounded like the right person at the right time. For he you. was the right person yeah. for me. There wasn't anything I could I would be able to ask that he, didn't, he couldn't. If he didn't have the answer, he'd send me to the right person. You know, and he had contacts all over, and he, he just was the guy. 
I want to wrap up. We have about 30 seconds on this segment. Uh, and, I, you know, the, the, the idea for Cajun Catholics uh, was totally God-sent for me. And God's put me here. Uh, you know, don't you don't question when you're called. But Mr. Paul McLean is just a testimony to the Cajun Catholics. He's got a website, Spiritual Bulletin Board of Louisiana. We're going to go over that on our next show. And you really need to tune in because uh, it's phenomenal what he's going to share with us. So uh, that's it for this segment. Uh, I want you to tune in next week to, to Cajun Catholic Show where we're going to continue the discussion with Mr. Paul McLean. Mm-hmm.